And essentially we've been talking this Christmas season, not about the Christmas story so much, but it's more about John 1, which kind of is a different version of the Christmas story where John is talking really about the spiritual implications of what it means that Jesus came into the world. And really uses a primary metaphor of light, that light has, that light has come into the world, that light is shining in the darkness. And, and um, I used this illustration last week, and I really liked it. I know you're bragging about yourself. Man, did you hear that great illustration we had last week at church? It was really good. Um, it was me. So, um, it, 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 so we were talking about this, that if you say that, that, that the world is dark and God shines a light on it, that can either be good news or bad news. And, and the illustration I use is a police officer with a, with a giant um, flashlight, right? You're, you're doing something in the dark. Something's happening in the dark. And, and the police officer turns on the light. Everything okay here? And now is that good news or bad news? Well, it depends on two things. It depends on your perception of the police officer. Is the police officer an agent of good to help me? Or is he an agent of oppression to hurt me, right? And, and, and second, not only your perception of the police officer, but what were you doing before the light turned on? Right? Was something bad happening to you or were you doing the bad thing? Right? And so you put those two things together and light shining into a dark place is either good news or bad news. But the situation that, that, that Jesus is coming into is, is really the kind of, the, the, we're the one that has done the bad thing. Sin is kind of rampant in the world and, and Jesus comes in and shines light on it. And here's the situation that a lot of us often find ourselves in. And some of you probably may, may find yourself in that situation right now. And it may be the situation is what brought you here today. Which is you're in a bad place. You're in a bad place and, and bad things are happening. And, and you find yourself hopeless and hurt and broken. And while sometimes the situations that we find ourselves, we can blame on bad luck. Sometimes we can blame them on bad people. But there are sometimes, and we just got to be honest, there are sometimes you're in a bad place and, and a bad thing has happened to you and it is 100% your fault. You did it. You did this thing. And so you find yourself uh, with a problem that you have created. And it has consequences, devastating consequences to your life. Devastating consequences to the people around you. And, 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 you, and, and again, it's your fault because of the stupid, perhaps even evil, dumb, ridiculous thing that you did. You find yourself in a terrible situation. And then I say that it's in that situation that God shows up. Now, is that good news or bad news? Is it good news or bad news that God is now shining a light on your worst moment? On the situation that you find yourself in where you, uh, the, the damage that is being done to your life is your fault. Is that good news or bad news? Well, go back to the police illustration, right? Depends, depends on who your God is, right? And we're going to take a little break here because I've already ranted once and I just feel like ranting again. That phrase that I just used, I used it on purpose. Depends on who your God is, that phrase needs to die. It does not matter who your God is. You don't have a God. There's not, well, well your God thinks this, but my God believes this. Well, that, that might be true about your God, but my God, it's, you know, there's not a whole, a whole lot of gods out there. Right? There's one God. There's just the one. 
And, and your perception of that God might, might reflect how you feel, but the reality of it is whether or not God's shining a light on your desperate situation is good news or bad news does not depend on what you think God is. It depends on who God actually is. And it's time for us to stop talking about like that, that God, who God is, can change based on what you think about Him. God is who God is. It's like, well, that sounds arrogant and weird and closed-minded and all these kinds of things. Because how, how can anybody know? And this is kind of what we think. It's like, you're right, man. How do you know who God is? I mean, he, God's up there and no one's seen God. And so what happens is, or what, at least what it, what it feels like, what it feels like is just a whole bunch of people just trying to speculate. Well, I think God's like this, but not like this. Well, I think God's like this, but not like this. And you talk about it and groups of people talk about it and you kind of come to some unifying conclusion, right? This is what we've decided we think God is like, but it's just a whole bunch of people in a room just trying to figure it out. That's not really helpful. That doesn't really tell us who God actually is. So then the question is, God's now shining a light on our lives. Is that good news or bad news? Well, it depends. Who is God? And well, how do you know? And this is where we are in the passage. Verse 14, John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Talking about God. That Jesus, who existed as the Son of God in heaven, became a person, became flesh, and made His dwelling among us, was living here with us. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, listen to this, full of grace and truth. And John, talking about John the Baptist, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Here it is again, this phrase. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. That's kind of the problem we were just talking about. No one has ever seen God. Never had a real conversation with him. You don't really know what he's like. You know, he didn't, you know, he didn't come down and hang out with you for an afternoon. No one's ever seen God. So we don't really know what he's like. But, 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 the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So, we don't know what God is like. We've never really seen Him. We don't really know Him. But, Jesus, Jesus, He came. And He was full. And He was incredible. And He is, in fact, God. And is in closest relationship with God the Father. And it is this Jesus who has made God known. And so the answer to our question depends on who God is. And we're like we just speculating. We may not know who God is, but here's the thing. Jesus shows us what God is like. Jesus shows us what God is like. This is God become a person and living amongst us. And sometimes we think, man, I wonder what God thinks about this situation. I wonder how God feels about me right now. I wonder, I wonder what God would do. I wonder, I wonder how God thinks about this. And what we see in Jesus is Jesus constantly reflecting and showing to us who God actually is. I wonder how God would react in this situation. Well, look, Jesus was in that situation, and this is how he reacted. Jesus shows us who God is. And so if you want to know actually who God is, rather than just feel like 
You're just kind of speculating about what you think and feel and what you perceive. You want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. I'm going to learn everything that I can about Jesus and his life. And the more I learn about his life, the more I understand what the character of God is like. And so not only is he God himself, but he's God, he's God the Father, he's the Son. And the Son shows you what the Dad is like. And, and, and if you're a parent, and if you're not a parent, you're at least somebody's kid, right? You are a reflection of what, you're, of what your parents are, which is why sending your kid to kindergarten is a scary thing, right? What we are is about to be just open to the public, right? And then, then you send them to, 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 to college, or you have a really weird family, and you do them both almost at the same time. And then, then like, who you are is really on display, and you may be thinking, you've been coming around here for a while. It's like, that dude, he's all with the, with the jokes and the high energy and the weirdness and, and all that stuff. You think, I wonder, I wonder what he's really like. Well, you want to know what I'm really like? Go teach in the kindergarten room. You just go into the kindergarten room. She's there both services. You just walk in there. This, that, that, oh, this is weird. And you're like, yeah, okay, because they're just weird all the time. I'll just use one illustration. I could use 100. Um, there's this thing that we do, and it's ridiculous, but I love it. Where, like, if someone asks a question where they need your help, let's just even something as simple as, hey, has, has anybody seen the remote control? The, the, the appropriate answer is, you're a remote control. <laughs> Which is both stupid and completely unhelpful, right? I mean, there's just, there's just nothing to it. It's like, you want it to be funny. It's not meant to be funny. Maybe it's a little bit funny. It's just, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. Just a dumb thing that you say. You ask a question, and the answer is, you're that thing. And you're like, now, now I still don't know, and now I'm mad at you because you're ridiculous, right? And so the first time I heard her do that was, was, was a couple of months ago. And I'm like, this is one of the, this is one of the greatest days ever, <laughs> right? Hey, hey, sweetheart, where are your pajamas? Dad, your pajamas. And I'm like, mm. Great, so, right? And I've had the opportunity on two different occasions already this week to take different daughters to see Star Wars. Yes, what I just confessed to you was that the movie's been out since Thursday night, and I've seen Star Wars twice. <laughs> and uh, I got to take my older two, and it's just fun, just kind of enjoying that with them. And then, and then with a six-year-old who you think's not going to be able to follow what's going on, but at this really cool, awesome moment that I didn't think she would understand, she looks at me, big eyes like, "Dad, that was awesome." And it was so cool, and we just got to, and you know, it just again, it's just kind of cool. So, so, so you see this in your kids, and so you, your kids show you what you're really like. And so we wonder. I sometimes I think we wonder too much what God is like. We speculate too much what God is like when Jesus shows us what God is like. You know, and so you, you study Jesus, and you say, man, there was this one situation where the the this, the these people were were selling the animals that you needed for sacrifices, but they were doing it in an unfair way. Jesus got really mad, and it said that he sat down very calmly and made a whip. Jesus made a whip. Like, made a whip. And then started turning tables over and and talking about how awful they were, cracking that whip and driving them out. We also have this story of Jesus where he's doing this teaching, and these kids are trying to come hang out with him, and people are like, get away, man. He's Jesus, and you're kids. And he's like, why would you ever keep kids away from me? I love kids. And he's in there playing with kids. So you're like, these two completely different pictures. You, you, you've got this Jesus who, who seemed to love hanging out with prostitutes. And who hated the most religious people he knew. I don't know what that says, but it says something. And whatever that something is, you better figure it out. If you're the most religious person you know. 
right? And, 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 and that says something about Jesus. But here's the thing. We have a hard time putting the, all of those pictures together in, into one comp- comprehensible thing. And so what happens is, is that we limit Jesus to whichever one of those stories we like more or we understand better. And, and, and so we want to make Jesus too simple. And so, and so what we make Jesus is, and I don't know how many of you grew up going to church, being in, in Sunday school all the time, but it seemed like there was, there was a picture. Apparently we had a hundred of them because they were in every, every room. Jesus, Jesus with, with a lamb around his neck. Who's ever seen Jesus with a lamb around his neck? So Jesus, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus with the lamb around his neck, always looking majestically to the side. Right? And that Jesus, Jesus ain't ever going to be mad. Jesus ain't ever going to be mad. Sweet Jesus with the lamb around his neck. He's as nice as nice gets. And so that Jesus is never going to be upset with me about anything. Except he looked at the religious leaders and he had really harsh words to say to them. And he called them hypocrites. And I think some people, we latch onto that Jesus. So I like that Jesus. Because I like telling people things. And Jesus told people things. And so I'm just being like Jesus by telling you what an idiot you are. At least I didn't make a whip. That's next. Right? And so, and, so, and so we limit Jesus. But he shows us what he's like. And there's any number of hundreds, if not thousands, of characteristics of God that Jesus reflected and showed. But, 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 but John, for this purpose, focuses on two, and he kind of puts them together in a package deal. He says he, he came full of grace and truth. And being full of grace and truth, I think that's helpful for us in the situation that we're talking about, which is, I'm in a dark place. God turns on the flashlight and shines it on me. When, if that's the thing that Jesus did when he first came, how he did that, why he did that, tells us a lot about God. And, and what he's saying, what it tells us about God is that God is full of grace and truth. But too many of us in our very limited definitions of God and talking about my God versus your God and, 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 and idle speculation or focusing a little bit too much on one particular aspect of Jesus, we don't think about a God or a Jesus that is full of grace and truth. Instead, we talk about a God who is full of grace or truth. And, and if you talk about a God that is full of either grace or truth, then what you're going to become is a very limited definition of God who is not useful for the situation of, I'm in a desperate situation of my own creation and I need light shined on me. But the fact that he is full of both is what gives us life and hope. But again, we focus into two extremes and I think what needs to happen is what these extremes are when we just focus on one of them to the exclusion of the other. I think these things need to be exposed and we need to think and talk a little bit more about what the balance should look like. And so um, if he shows us what God is like and God is full of grace and truth, not just full of grace or truth. And the reason why that's important because if God was just full of grace, grace without truth wouldn't help. Grace without truth is just not helpful. So just imagine, if you will, um, for lack of a better metaphor, that you are in a hole. And you are in that hole because you fell into it and or you dug it yourself. 
The digging the hole yourself is maybe even the better metaphor, except that it's not realistic, whoever does that, right? But you're in a hole, but we use it all the time. Hey, you dug that hole yourself, right? So we, we use this as an expression, which is a pointless expression because it's not a great metaphor because you don't ever do that. You know, and everything. oh man, how did I get in this hole? Anyways, so, but imagine though, you've, you're in a hole. And you're stuck in this hole. And you are cold and hungry and abandoned. And the only reason that you are in that hole is because you dug it yourself. Your own stupidity, your own arrogance has put you into this hole. And now you cannot get out. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you are slowly dying in this hole. And someone comes by and says, Oh, buddy, buddy, that's just terrible. How'd you get in there? I dug it myself. Oh, that's, oh, that's not good. Oh, man, I feel so bad for you in that hole. Well, I'll be praying for you in your hole. And then you walk away. Well, that might feel real good for like 15 seconds. 15 seconds of what feels like patronizing kindness. And when it's all over, where are you still? In the hole. And it has not helped you at all. It has made you feel temporarily better, but it has not substantively changed your situation. And whatever brokenness and hurt and starvation and coldness that you are feeling in that hole is still the same. And so we find ourselves in more realistic scenarios where we have done damage and we are hurting ourselves and we are hurting our friends and we find ourselves in these desperate situations. And while it's really great... That someone comes to you without judgment and says, man, this is a bad situation that you're in. Man, I'm sorry for that. That feels really good in the moment, but it doesn't help me. I am still as lost and helpless and hopeless as I was before. Because then when, when, when when we focus too much to the exclusion of, of, of the truth, if, if, if the person doesn't come in, how'd you get in that hole? We, you did that? Well, that doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't have done that. How'd you get, how, we, we gotta get you out of here. This is a bad situation that you're in. If all I do is feel sorry for you, but I'm not willing to like fully acknowledge, this is a bad situation that needs to change. Then, it, then, it, then it's not any help. The only, the only help comes is like, well, this is, this is not good. This is not good. What you've done is not good. And we've got yeah, we to fix some things. We've got to do something about this. That's, that's where help is. But if all, if all we view and we think about God shining the light, if all we think about is, is Jesus with the Lamb, or if all we think about is, is, is kindness, gentleness, then when it's all over, you're still broken and hurt and isolated and desperate in whatever situation it is you find yourself in. That's not what we need. And I would say that there are some people out there whose, whose God is that way. But most of them, some of them have, I'm sure, but most of them don't end up in church. And so the, the group that we're talking to right now is probably not so much in that situation. Most of the people who end up at church on some level recognize I'm in a bad situation and I don't need somebody to tell me, hey, buddy, it's okay. 
I need someone, I need someone, I need some answers to help me get out of the desperate place that I'm in. But the problem is, is what we find in that situation is that we jump to the other, other extreme, which is this. That truth without grace and God would be devastating. Be devastating. So you're in this place. And you're hopeless and broken and lost and starving. And God comes and says, You got what you deserved. I told you to not go in that hole. I told you to put the shovel down. And now there you are. Deal with it. And then he walks away. Ain't nothing that was said right there that you can argue with. Uh, no, it, no, it isn't. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't dig it to shovel the, the dirt. I didn't do it. Oh, you did it. Oh, you did it. Yeah, you're right. Not on purpose. Yep, on purpose. But I'm sorry, but no, you're not. Oh, that's true. Just true. And it's soul crushing, if that's all that's true. In a very different way, that's not helpful either. And here's the reason why I think most of us struggle with a God that looks more like that. Who, who, who God shining a light on your desperate situation just feels like someone angry yelling at you. What, what did I say? We, we, we know about God because of Jesus, because Jesus is, is his son, right? right? So we learn about God through Jesus. And how do people around us learn about Jesus? By watching us. And most of us, unfortunately, when we shine light on people in bad situations, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. I told you. I told you that was going to happen. That was stupid what you did. What's wrong with you? And then you, then you claim spiritual backing for that, right? I'm just being like Jesus. I'm just Jesus at the temple with a whip. Telling truth. God values truth. I read it. It's truth. I'm just being a, an ambassador of truth. That's not what this says. But that's who we're showing the world to be. That's who we're being to each other. And we think that somehow that harsh truth without grace is going to do anything other than crush the soul of the person in the hole. And that's just not what God did. That's not what God does. That's not what Jesus did. And we see that. We see it over and over and over again with Jesus. He hung out with who that society would have considered some of the worst people. And he met them in their brokenness with compassion and the way out. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. That the God of the universe has come. He has looked at you in your darkest place. And he comes with compassion, but with an honest assessment of your situation and hope for the way out. He's not looking at any of us and saying, it's not a big deal what you did. It is a big deal what you did. You already know, though, that it's a big deal what you did. And God agrees. And He sees it. And the consequences of what you're doing, and they're real. But He comes with compassion. He comes with grace and truth. And He looks at you in your worst, in your darkest, in your most broken hour, and says, and there is a way out. 
And that way out was described just a couple of verses before that we talked about last week. But as many as received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so he looks at you broken and desperate in your worst place and says, hey, listen, I will come to you. And if you will just take me, believe in me, I will heal you and make you my son and make you my daughter. And so there are some of you here who've never really done that for the first time. You've come here looking for hope and you've come here looking for answers. Or maybe you've just come here because it's kind of what you do at Christmas. But what we hope that you'll find here is the grace and truth that is found in God through Jesus Christ. An honest assessment of that the sin that you have committed is of your own doing and the consequences that you're living out are your fault. Not minimizing what you've done, but bringing hope and healing and grace to it. And if you will just receive Jesus, this, this, this God, he, he became a person and he is yours to receive, to take. I will take who he is. I will take what he did. I will believe in him. I will believe in his name. And I can be healed. And there are some of you who have never done that once and it's your time. It's your time to do it. To say that I'm going to fully embrace Jesus. And the forgiveness that he offers through his life and through his death on the cross. And for some of us, man, I say, I say yeah, I, I, I did that. I did that. I, I, I received him. I believed in his name. I did that. And I, part of me wants to say, yeah, okay, you did that. Are, are, you, are, you, are, you doing, are you doing that? Are you doing that? Or are you living your life right now like somehow that Jesus doesn't really care anymore about, about speaking truth into your life? Or are you living under the harsh oppression of a God who doesn't care anymore? Maybe one day I remember, I knew. But the God that I'm worshiping now is not the real one. The God in my head is not the real one. And this isn't just something that I do. This is something that I am. I am someone who who is receiving Jesus. I am believing in his name and I am accepting the grace and the truth that he's always offering me. Dude, you you need to do that better. That's not cool. You don't talk to your wife that way. You don't treat your kids that way. It's not who you're supposed to be. Don't, don't, stop. Hey, do this. This is better. Do this, do this. But it's always there lifting me up and giving me the grace and the forgiveness to overcome my own shortcomings. That's the Jesus, not I believed in. That's the Jesus I'm believing in that is sustaining life for me. And so whether you need to receive this hope or live in this hope, pray that today that you will do it. And so we have opportunity to reflect. Um, there's communion in the back. What a great way to kind of, uh, this was what Jesus so that why Jesus set this up is kind of a, a, a sacrament for, for all of us. It's a, it's a tangible act of receiving him into your life. It's a metaphor, an illustration of I'm taking Jesus and I'm making him part of me. 
I'm bringing him in. There's a prayer team that would love to pray with you. There's prayer candles to pray. You can pray at the cross. You can worship. We have an opportunity to give, which we've already talked about. Just a way of thanking the God that that I believe in and receiving and that I am worshiping him back by giving back to him the portion of mine that he says he wants back. But let's respond to this God of grace and truth and celebrate and worship the light that Jesus coming into this world has brought. Let's pray.